0: This is Brian Anderson. Welcome to California Nation, our twice-monthly podcast giving you a look at how California politics is driving the national discussion. On today's show, we examine the response to the Stefan Clark shooting, as well as the protests that ensued. And later on, we get to the origin of the Trump-Schwarzenegger feud. All right, enjoy the show.
1: We are not going to have
2: a circus here.
1: But we just left pleasure for paradise. Paradise. Can you please hug me?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do not worry, Dutch is not here today. We,
3: We clearly learned our lesson.
2: These are not ordinary times. And this will not be an ordinary election.
0: I recently spoke over the phone with my colleague Sam Stanton. He was covering a protest last Monday in response to the results of an investigation into the officer involved shooting of Stefan Clark, an unarmed black man killed by two Sacramento police officers in March 2018. There have been nearly 10,000 gun related incidents across the United States since the start of the year. This is according to the nonprofit Gun Violence Archive. Among the 10,000 cases are more than 400 in which a police officer shot or killed a suspect. This week on the pod, we examine how the community grappled with what many considered questionable policing practices. We begin today's show with Anne-Marie Schubert, the Sacramento County District Attorney who investigated Clark's death and determined whether the officers who shot Clark should be prosecuted.
2: When we look at all of these facts and circumstances, we look at all of it. Everything. We ask our question that we started out with again. And that question is, was a crime committed? There's no question that human being died. But when we look at the facts in the law and we follow our ethical responsibilities, the answer to that question is no. And as a result, we will not charge these officers with any criminal liability related to the shooting death and the use of force on Stephon's Park. Our streets! 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 Our streets!
1: How's this? Will this work? Oh, you sound perfect. Great. Okay.
0: Great audio. This is Sam Stanton, a reporter who covered the protests after the DA decided not to prosecute the officers who shot Clark. So, uh, I wanted, and I'm recording. Okay. I just wanted to get some insight as to what happened Monday night. Can you walk me through what happened with the Stefan Clark protests and what happened with the officers?
1: Sure. Well, you know, I got to the um, Trader Joe's on Folsom about five o'clock. We had heard that the protest would start there around six thirty, and there were police on scene already. Although they were trying to uh, uh, be subtle about it, they were parked in the back of the parking lot. But once they saw uh, me and other media showing up, they moved on, and they went into uh, position somewhere in the neighborhood of the Fab 40s. I got on a jump bike and I rode over there and. Uh, when I saw them, they moved again. So they they were trying to be invisible, which is common for these protests. And so the protests got underway around 630. And the um, um, police acted the way they have always acted during these events. They kept their distance. Typically, they have a series of bicycle officers who follow uh, from behind and are in front. Anticipating where they're going so that they can block off traffic. So they, you know, alternately blocked off traffic on J Street and on Folsom, depending on where the marchers were going. And it all seemed peaceful until we got to uh, Mercy Hospital at 40th and J Streets. And that was where the um, incident occurred where the individual with the Make America Great Again hat had it snatched off his head. And there was a confrontation there.
3: You touch me and
0: grab my jacket. Hey, do not touch me. No,
1: I saw you. I saw you trying to grab my jacket. And I was interviewing the man who said that they had taken his hat, and the next thing I knew, we were surrounded by SWAT officers, people in riot gear, helmets, carrying, you know, pepper spray rifles, the whole uh, nine yards, and they were telling us to move or face arrest. And so the marchers began moving back toward Folsom Boulevard and the police moved in quickly. They were forming a skirmish line, shoulder to shoulder, and announcing that everyone had to disperse. So eventually the march got back to uh, the front of Trader Joe's at Folsom and 50th. And everything seemed to be calming down. Uh, the protesters were finishing up their statements. The police were right up near them with their batons out. By then, they had knocked down our photographer, Hector Amezgua, who had been filming a live shot for us, uh, and they damaged his equipment, so the live shot went out. They had pushed me with their batons, and it still seemed as though things were going to remain calm. They were going to let everyone, you know, kind of slow down and leave. But we couldn't get to our cars because the police formed a line so that we couldn't get through back uh, toward the west.
0: And, and you were so trapped I, on,
1: like, an overpass or something, right? Well, at this point, I was, I was in a parking lot next to the Trader Joe's, mm-hmm. and my car was you know, over closer to where Burr's used to be, and so I couldn't get to it. And we figured, well, we'll just we'll wander through the neighborhood and you know, find our way back around this police line. And apparently that's what the protesters thought too.
2: Hey, look, man, get out of the way. Being technical right now. Ain't they blocking traffic? Ain't nobody in the street. Is... Come on, Come on.
1: And so they started walking on fifty first, which is the overpass that goes over Highway fifty. And they apparently were thinking they were just gonna get through the neighborhood and get to their cars and leave. Well, what they didn't realize was there was a line of police officers at 51st Street on the other side of Highway 50. And so they were basically marched into this line of police. And so they all gathered on the west side of uh, 51st near the freeway. And they were standing there, some of them with their hands up, and the police just came over and started to handcuff them one by one and arrest them. Well, we watched. I was lucky because Hector had said, let's go this way. Let's follow the police this way. So I was on the east side. Well, they weren't arresting media on the east side. But everybody who was with the group on the west side of 51st Street was getting arrested and or detained. And so one by one, they handcuffed them and they marched them over to the overpass and sat them down and took their information and... We were there for a couple of hours before most of them, most of the 84, uh, were taken off in buses and uh, shuttle vans to Cal Expo, where they were processed and released. And one
0: of those reporters uh, who was on the west side was the Sacramento
1: Bee's own... Uh, right, Dale Kassler. Dale Kassler. Was with, Dale was there, and he was doing a Facebook Live broadcast from the middle of the group. He had a... Uh, a uh, press credential around his neck that was clearly visible and they came over and told him you know it's his turn you can see this on the facebook video that he did until they put the phone in his pocket sure. All right yep, yep. i'm with the sacramento bee okay right. of so you back in the bee newsroom uh yeah, please be aware that dale Kessler uh, has been handcuffed and is has been led away along with the rest of the uh, marchers. The police here don't seem to care. They've arrested a reporter. Yes, yeah, sir. Being... Can I put my phone yes, in sir. my pocket? Yes, You're yes, giving a dispersal order, sir. Okay. I'm going to leave. Thanks hold them on the yeah. And they took him over to the street and they sat him down they handcuffed him. And while they were doing that, I was on the sidewalk shouting as loud as I could, you are arresting a Sacramento Bee reporter. I just assumed they were making a mistake and would rectify it. You know, they would understand you don't arrest reporters in this country. They didn't care. And so at that point, you know, we were live again. Hector had managed to fix his equipment and we were broadcasting and our editors were seeing what was happening and started calling people like the mayor, you know, demanding to know why one of our reporters was in custody. But it still took another hour or so to, to get him released. And the others, the other protesters, who, as far as I could tell, were just trying to get out of there, trying to get to their cars, were all handcuffed, processed, taken a Cal Expo. And they knew they were detaining a reporter. And it didn't matter to them. Previously, council, as the mayor said, uh, 11 questions came up, and I would like to now go over those 11 questions and close by speaking to some of the things we have recently implemented in our department and community.
0: The day after the protests, Sacramento Police Chief Daniel Hahn spoke at a city council meeting about the department's efforts to prevent additional officer-involved shootings. He did not, however, speak about the arrests of 84 people.
1: We've seen and heard problems that divide us, And now let's work on the changes that will bring us together. I will continue to be dedicated to this very change.
0: Sacramento's District Attorney, Ann Marie Schubert, decided not to press charges against the arrested protesters. The police told city council members on Tuesday about 1,600 hours of police body cam footage from the protests remains to be reviewed, and that changes are being made to the way the police handles protests in the future. Preliminary findings show protesters keyed a total of eight cars. There remains little explanation about why the protesters were taken into custody, as well as three reporters with the Sacramento Bee, Sacramento Business Journal, and Sacramento State. Hahn declined our request to come on the show for an interview at this time. Shortly after the initial arrests were made, Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg issued a statement saying he was, quote, very disappointed the protest ended the way it did. He added that, quote, no member of the press should be detained for doing their job. Steinberg declined our request for an interview. At a news conference last week, California Attorney General Javier Becerra also decided not to prosecute the officers who shot and killed Clark.
1: Based on our review of the facts and evidence in relation to the law, I'm here to announce today that our investigation has concluded that no criminal charges against the officers involved in the shooting can be sustained.
0: Becerra knew the news would come as a disappointment to many.
1: Again, nothing can bring back Stefan Clark, and nothing helps end the pain that his family carries.
0: Looking back on the protests and controversy, I had one final question for my colleague Sam. What do you think all this means for the the black community here in the Sacramento area?
1: Well, clearly the decisions have energized the protests against the shooting. I don't think many people expected. A decision other than the one that Anne-Marie Schubert and Xavier uh, Becerra handed down, but they're angry and they're frustrated. And I think what happened at the protest where the explanation was we broke it up because they were keying cars reminded a lot of people that Stefan Clark was breaking windows of cars and ended up being shot. Now, there are a lot of other dynamics to this. I mean, he was running from the police he wasn't obeying their orders to stop and they say they thought he had a gun but it's it's made the situation much more volatile obviously because there have been protests every day since sam
0: thank you so much for your reporting on this and coming on the podcast i appreciate it
1: thank you appreciate it
0: You're listening to California Nation. I'm your host, Brian Anderson. Following the shooting of Stefan Clark, California lawmakers are pushing for changes to the use of force policies that outline when shooting a suspect is permitted. This is part of a national conversation across the country about police misconduct. Democratic Assembly members Shirley Weber of San Diego and Kevin McCarty of Sacramento have proposed a bill that would require officers to prove it was necessary to shoot a suspect rather than the current standard of reasonable. They say this change will help prevent future deaths. Sitting down with me to discuss this plan are the authors themselves. Thank you both for taking the time. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk about Assembly Bill 392 and Stephon Clark. Can you give our listeners some context as to what happened with Stefan Clark in the first place and why this bill is coming about now?
3: Well, I'll talk about Stephon Clark because it happened here in Sacramento, my hometown, just outside of my district, but within, of course, the city of Sacramento. And it certainly galvanized our community, our state, the nation, and the world to look at this issue and um, you know the police practices of, of deadly force with, with many times unarmed individuals and the need for change. And you know, Dr. Weber and I were working on this issue, frankly, before the Stefan Clark tragic shooting. But when that came about, it just shined a great big spotlight. And for us here in Sacramento, you know, we saw Ferguson. We thought, oh, we're, we're not like that. We're not Ferguson. We saw... California
0: is the progressive place. This doesn't happen.
3: Doesn't happen in Sacramento. And then we saw uh, Eric Garner. Oh, this, you know, this doesn't really um, happen here. And so having happening here in my hometown, you know, five, five or so miles from the state capitol, I think really uh, shines a spotlight on this issue and uh, brings about the, the the need for change. And so I'm you know excited to be joining once again with Assemblymember Weber on this measure. We tried last year. We we kind of ran out of time. Couldn't get across the finish line. So we're back at it in 2019.
0: So Assemblywoman Weber, March 2018, talk about your reaction to hearing about Stefan Clark's death. I know this is a very important, very big issue to you personally.
2: Well, I think, you know, March 18th, uh, we hear about Stefan Clark, but that is really in the context of all of Stefan Clarks. I mean, if it were just a Stefan Clark situation, you know, you may think, well, this is a fluke. You know, this is not the norm. And so as a result, you wouldn't probably have the kind of response that we had. But this was a part of so many other. Uh, situations that we've had to face in terms of the shooting of unarmed men and be, and, and recognizing that the vast majority of them are African-American and Latino males were being shot. Um, we come to this conclusion about changing policy because people have looked at a lot of different things. They've looked at whether or not it should be handled by the district attorney. Maybe there should be independent investigations. You know, there's a lot of things people talked about, but we, we're coming back to the reality that this is going to happen. And rather than talk about Uh, what happens afterwards. We need to talk about what we need to do before and try to prevent it. And so therefore this becomes an effort to prevent the killing of individuals unnecessarily by police. And people kept saying the same thing over and over. You know, well, why didn't they do this? And why didn't they do that? And why didn't they do something else? And which brings, if you listen carefully, it brings people to the recognition that there are other options available. And so people want to know why these weren't used instead of lethal force. So it brings us to the discussion of when do you use lethal force now as, you know as a as a person who living in california my assumption was that lethal force is only used when it's absolutely necessary because it is lethal force and if something horrible happens you can't take it back you know. So I I thought, well, you know, that sounds reasonable that you only use lethal force when you are really in danger yourself or someone else is in danger. Otherwise, you look at other ways of how you're going to handle the situation.
0: But in practice, that's not happening. That's not
2: happening because of the whole concept of reasonableness versus necessity. So therefore, we began to look at the, you know, the whole process of use of lethal force and realize that we needed to do something different, that rather than simply talk about what we're going to do after someone has been killed, well, how are we going to prevent it. And so this becomes a, a bill that talks about preventing the deaths, saving lives, and looking at what practices exist in the state.
0: So let's bring in Assemblyman McCarty. Can you sort of give, that, that set up the context that spawned this bill, can you outline what Assembly Bill 392 will do? Sure. Well, you know, a lot of people think this is about officer accountability,
3: and we saw last week the decision um, for Stephon Clark by the local district attorney and the attorney general to not to, to prosecute officers. But uh, I think this bill really focuses on the practice and training and actual law enforcement in their, in our communities. In other words, if this standard comes into, into play. The
0: standard of getting away with reasonableness. Yes, and, and, going and w- toward to
3: win, when necessary. What that will mean in reality is that police departments and sheriff's offices up and down California will focus on on training their officers to look at de escalations the city of sacramento after Stefan clark changed their their uh foot policy their, their you know their um you know when they're you know chasing a suspect in the backyard they're already looking at at these at these options less uh lethal options you know look for alternatives to de-escalate the situation and so you know w- with this standard in place like we saw in Seattle and San Francisco it's not always about prosecuting officers who cross that line but really focusing on the culture of the department and uh, training and prevention in the first
0: place so what's the culture like with the Sacramento Police Department for either of you right now how how do you see the culture being well right now it's it's certainly really hot because of the the attention of the
3: decision of Stefan Clark but the the police department has made some changes and after Stephon Clark another shooting a few months later you know they start implementing some of these de-escalation practices that we see in San Francisco and Seattle they asked the attorney general to review all of the practices which I support as well um, to looking at all the city of Sacramento police practices their training and their you know basically what they do on a day-to-day basis and they came up with all 30 plus recommendations which what they should be doing some of the city of sacramento policies are happening right now some of those recommendations are in in our bill Um, but there is an element of our bill which is different which is provocative that says you know when an officer does cross that line as far as reasonable necessary you know Stefan clark's one but we had one here in Rancho cordova mr mcintyre where our former police chief of Sacramento did a review for the sheriff's department and found the officers were unnecessary, put the public at risk. They could have had other alternatives to stand down when a gentleman was throwing rocks with no firearm. And in, in that case, I think that the, the existing threshold in, under law doesn't allow the a district attorney or the attorney general to find these officers accountable. So and, what, and lastly- What changes,
0: what changes under, your, under this bill?
3: What changes? It allows uh, a jury um, to evaluate whether or not uh, the officer's actions were reasonable in comparison to what other officers would do to the totality of the circumstances looking at, you know, was it necessary and were there other options available. And this week, Javier Becerra, attorney general, did his investigation for stefan clark and, which and,
0: many people are happy about i'm sure here in well, sacramento <laughs> i
3: support that because dr weber said i wanted I uh,
0: support the investigation
3: yeah and well i'll get to that the, the conclusion the i'll get to the conclusion um, we need a neutral umpire in these situations people don't trust it when you know a family member is the umpire of the game the same thing when a local d.a there is there's this, you know, inherent conflict of interest with a DA sometimes investigating the local police department. So it was, I think, positive that the attorney general came in, did his own separate investigation, which we should be doing more of that. But the, the thing that struck me the most is he said, I did this investigation by the book. I followed the, the, the rules. And so that's what this bill is about, is looking at the book. And, and maybe we need to... Um, as many have noted, you know, modernize our 100-year-old policy and focus on when it is appropriate to use deadly force.
0: As it relates to Javier Becerra in the investigation, I think the bottom line that many people in the African-American community would tell you is, What's happening to these cops? They're not getting punished? Right, right. What's your reaction to these findings from the DA and Attorney General Becerra not to prosecute these officers?
2: Clearly, I was not surprised because based on the standards that we have in place, if they follow the standards, then you're not going to see a whole lot of prosecution taking place. Uh, And that's one of the reasons why we need to change the standards for for the use of lethal force. And in fact, uh, the uh, AG said that we needed to do that, that we needed to have very specific rules about when we use lethal force. And that's what this bill does, because without that, you're going to constantly get the same outcome. And without the ability for the officer, for the departments to to basically reprimand, suspend, or or get rid of the officers, or or either for the district attorney to prosecute them for uh, crossing the line in terms of not doing what was necessary at the time, but doing something else, then um, you're going to get the same results. And that's why I think our communities are frustrated when they keep asking questions. Why couldn't they have done this or that? Because when you look at the standard that's being applied. And so uh, if you're playing by the rules and the rules are all in someone else's favor you realize that the rules are not fair
0: so you see the rules right now in favor of police departments they not the people that's
2: right they're protecting they're protecting officers that maybe shouldn't be protected but the bottom line is so you change you have to change some of the rules to make it fair and that, and that's that's the reality and and as long as it's like any game as long as you're constantly playing by rules that aren't fair that aren't comprehensive that don't that aren't new that aren't taking into consideration different kinds of things using old regulations you're going to end up in the same position that you're in time after time after time here in california and that's what people are recognizing that it's really the rules that we're playing by and keep in mind also those rules will dictate how you're trained and so if the rule does not value life if it doesn't value a de-escalation alternative strategies then you're not going to get that kind of training that produces the results that you want
0: and i had a two-parter for each of you just yes or no should should the the officers involved in the shooting have been prosecuted. I think there should have been some accountability for those officers. And
2: you? Sure, sure. There should have been something that happened. If it was a a, a a hearing that the community could feel that there was some input to, yes. And keep in mind, I'm not the one who who does the law. So naturally, district attorneys and others have taken oath to implement that law based on their practice as lawyers. But I think, in terms of the public's point of view, when they see these things happen, they think somebody should be held accountable for it. I mean, these, and it's not just Stefan Clark; it's the other ones as well. But the most important thing is, as long as you have the current rules that are in place, you're going to get the same results.
0: And my second one is, if this bill had been law starting January 1st, 2018, before this shooting, do you see the outcome being different? And yes. how
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we would hope the outcome would be different because the officer would be operating with a different set of values. That's number one. But number two, those who had to evaluate took place would be using a different set of standards.
0: And in fairness to police departments, they would tell you we've changed our foot patrol policies. We've tried to make improvements over the years and we believe we're getting on the right track. This bill is not the solution.
2: Well, this, clearly training is going to be the solution as a result of the bill, but if you don't put it in statute, if you don't make this the policy, then you may be on track for a minute and then get off track again, and there's no accountability for being off track. Uh, it is important to have policy statewide.
0: Will any law enforcement groups support this proposal?
3: Well, Yeah, we already have the the district attorney of San Francisco who uh, was the sponsor of our bill last year still supports it, and they've shown, and he was not just a DA at SF, he's a former police chief. So he's a person who's, who's worn the badge, been out in the streets and knows that this policy works and makes our community safer. And so, you know, we're working with, with the entities. Uh, we had, a, uh, you know, other police officials come out in support of our bill last year from across the nation, and, you know, we look forward to that again this
0: year. And I want to end just on the impact this has had for the Sacramento community and what we saw in the wake of the DA's findings. There were these protests uh, which shut down the Arden Mall for a day, and you saw uh, one reporter had been getting damaged equipment for their photography equipment at the Sacramento Bee, and another reporter for the Sacramento Bee was detained, and you're adding a third person. In there, Assemblyman McCarty, can you explain just just what your reaction is to how the Sacramento Police Department handled these protesters who were responding to this? It is a kind of a uh, a black eye on the city of Sacramento when we're
3: arresting reporters and members Detaining of the clergy. Reporters. Well, they arrested, they put in cuffs three reporters. They let them go. They didn't book them at the police department, but um, they it, it was it was over the top and uh, i think our mayor has has alluded to that um but this is shining a light on the injustice of our police policies did in sacramento did you get
0: sacramento. any explanation from sacpd cuz they came to city council and said we'll come back in weeks
3: no i mean as yeah. as of the recording of this of this show there there has not been um an explanation from our police chief i think they're i think that she's probably a little bit embarrassed too um we'll see how that evolves but we don't have a, a better policy for, for deadly force in California. And as, as we continue to have this void, you will see people in Sacramento and other places around California speaking up. And I'm proud of this, uh,
0: this civil disobedience with nonviolence. This is where I think a podcast does a disservice to people where I wish people could see Assemblywoman Rubber's <laughs> face. It looks like you have something you want to say.
2: You may have one or two people who do something crazy like key a car because of, uh, they're angry about something and that, and that should not happen but overall I think people came together to express themselves and rather than being on the sideline and watching it they showed up in riot gear you know you would have thought that all, all kinds of things were happening because of the riot gear and that that sometimes make people angry because it's once again it's over overkill it's not people letting them express themselves without the fear of intimidation and then the arrest you know of individuals or the detaining of them uh, clearly uh is not the kind of image you want for a police department especially with a with a peaceful protest so um you know they'll have to deal with it. the people in sacramento have had a a number of peaceful protests since the death of stefan clark so there was no evidence or reason to believe that it was going to get out of hand or go crazy on people uh and so i i knew there was a protest going on I was in a meeting at the time, but I had no idea until later on that they were going to arrest individuals and those kinds of things that took place, uh, which is most unfortunate.
3: And, and the and the, the most troubling thing is for weeks, we saw this coming up and our city did not want to have what they saw in LA, mm-hmm. you know, 30 years ago. And so they asked the ministers to get people to assemble peacefully, non-violently in, 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 a, in, a, in an area, they did just what they were asked to do and then we had this mass arrest at the end of the day. So it was um, it was messaging from the the authorities of Sacramento that didn't play out in practice from our law enforcement officers so that's unfortunate but you know what this is shining a big spotlight on the issue. We don't want to lose focus and that's mm-hmm. a B392 you know we think it matters to everyday Californians and so, This is not just uh, a moral issue, a justice issue. This impacts taxpayers up and down California.
0: Last one I had, just for those looking skeptically, they saw an effort from you, Assemblywoman Weber, last year to get something similar done. Why is this gonna be different this time around?
2: Well, I think last time we had difficulty with the time frame. We were, we were up against the time frame. And we probably tried, we, we did our best to try to negotiate, and, and, and time ran out in terms of working with law enforcement. Uh, much of the negotiation has occurred on the front end uh... we will still continue to talk to law enforcement uh... we have this year uh, to get this done but reality is you actually have two years to get it done but we're gonna get it done this year i think the situations of such that the things that have occurred over the last year uh... constantly put the push the issue of the urgency of the matter uh, we've got uh, folks who last year were skeptical about the bill who now are coming around and saying, you know, this is probably something we need to do because it's clear that that things are not getting better. And so I think to that extent... Um, Uh, the the support we've gotten from the general public, from communities, uh, from uh, the media, uh, clearly look at this situation and say, "I I think it's time.
0: Well, we shall see if it is indeed time. Thank you both for coming on the show. It was great having you.
2: It was great to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: And we'll be back. You're listening to California Nation. You know what that sound means? It's time for our favorite part of the show, Buzz of the Week, where I give you a headline I can't stop thinking about. If you have one you can't get off your mind, give me a call at 916-326-5538. You can check our show notes for more information. This week, I can't stop thinking about the governator. That's right, former California governor and Hollywood legend Arnold Schwarzenegger. He and Trump haven't had the best of relationships. At a prayer breakfast a couple weeks after becoming president, you might remember that Trump urged those in attendance to pray for Schwarzenegger's apprentice ratings.
1: But we had tremendous success on The Apprentice. And when I ran for president, I had to leave the show. That's when I knew for sure I was doing it. And they hired a big, big movie star, Arnold Schwarzenegger, to take my place. And we know how that turned out. The ratings went right down the tubes. It's been a total disaster. And Mark will never, ever bet against Trump again. And I want to just pray for Arnold, if we can, for those ratings, okay?
0: (laughs) Now this obviously couldn't go unanswered. Schwarzenegger left Trump. This video message on Twitter.
3: Hey
2: Donald, I have a great idea. Why don't we switch jobs? You take over TV, because you're such an expert in ratings, and I take over your job, and then people can
1: finally sleep comfortably again.
0: So why am I telling you all of this? Well, last week, Schwarzenegger spoke with reporters after speaking in Sacramento to promote his vision for getting the California Republican Party back on track. And as the media gaggle wrapped up, we got an indicator about the origin story of the feud between the two. Take a listen.
2: Has President Trump ever reached out to you? Uh, he did before he became president. When well, he was running? Or <laughs> he did I... was running yes. What did he want to know? Money. He just wanted to have uh, my endorsement.
0: <laughs> so there you have it, folks. We finally got the story of how the conflict started. All roads lead back to 2016, where Trump failed to secure Schwarzenegger's endorsement. The former California governor said he wants to see Ohio Governor John Kasich take on Trump in 2020.
2: Well, as you know, did I encouraged Kasich to jump into the the race and um, because I think he's like the most more up my alley
0: and with that we thank you so much for tuning in to this longer than usual edition of California Nation. If you liked what you heard please leave us a review on iTunes it boosts our ratings which helps people like you find our show word of mouth also helps special thanks to Kai Engel. For some of the music you heard in today's show. I'll return to your feed in a couple weeks with a new episode. Until next time, I'm Brian Anderson. This is California Nation.
2: I hate to say because, you know, obviously I'm, I'm still dealing in the past, but of course the mowers are good. I'm not a thin mint fan so that obviously exits me out of the majority of folks just rubbing it in and uh but i do love the s'mores, and i do love the peanut butter cookies that has the peanut butter in it i don't know what they call tagalogs or
3: tagalongs Tagalongs the the names have changed though
2: i know because it's shortbread it's not shortbread
3: anymore it's called no they're shortbread still there's there's caramel delights
2: what what is this travel light or something well
3: maybe they sell them differently in san diego no no
2: well and they're not called shortbread though (laughs)